Hello friends, family, community. This is the Business and Bikes podcast, where our guests and I will show you how work and hobbies can be more than just work and hobbies. Business and Bikes will show you how much joy, fulfillment, and community small businesses and weird hobbies can give you. Uh, hi everyone, my name is Ima. And my brother, (laughs) Imperium, which is a a cycling coaching company. We're based in SoCal. We're in Ontario. Um, But we're just going to go over uh, not just like, you know, preparing for your best season, but some other things that might be beneficial to um, all coaches, coaches that have have been doing this for a while um, to their uh, athletes, their new athletes. Uh, something that's important. I know that cycling is an expensive sport. Uh, we got into it when we were young and, um, you know, cost was a thing. So I wanted to also just speak a little bit more on uh, cycling on a budget and how you can uh, kind of keep the costs low as well as some uh, drills and skills to help your athletes develop in uh, that aspect of their riding. Um, perfect. So I'm going to try to uh, do all of the, you know, all the talking in like maybe 30 to 40 minutes. And then we can, uh, we can do like a Q&A if people have uh, more questions towards the end. Okay. So uh, kind of overview of this webinar is to give some of the uh, coaches resources to aid their athletes and their cycling development. I know that as NICA coaches, we see athletes from the entire spectrum of uh, experience in cycling, uh, you know, from the, the kid who maybe has a BMX bike or is just getting into cycling and don't even, you know, have a bike, they're borrowing a bike and don't have the equipment, um, to the other side of the spectrum where they've already been racing and their parents are, are on board and they have all of the support and resources So I'm gonna try to do my best to give tips that will apply to uh, both sides of the spectrum. So we'll walk through some of the key processes and give some tactics on how to help athletes prepare for uh, an upcoming season. Uh, This is gonna be just kind of an overall agenda. I wanna give give you guys a little bit of background um, on my, uh, me and my brother and our program, uh, as well as who we help and actually who you guys help as well um, as NICA coaches, um, how you can help athletes uh, set goals and identify um, where to get the most uh, bang for their buck out of riding uh, and and out of practicing. Uh, And I I think that's really important, not just for cycling, but because a lot of those uh, disciplines and tactics uh, can apply to their school life, um, and then you know, as they graduate and uh, join the workforce or things like that. Uh, I do want to give uh, a, a general overview of what an annual training plan looks like and uh, maybe what you should do in October versus February and uh, what, what different workouts kind of look like. Uh, transition period, which is where, we're, we're kind of, where we kind of are and some different aspects of training and then uh, we'll do uh, Q and A as well. Um, after we do uh, the cycling on a budget and uh, the drills and skills, which are are more resource based. So, here we go. 
Okay, so this is uh, uh, my brother right here. This is Ama. Um, he's he's our head coach, so he does a lot more of the um, everyday speaking and training of the athletes. And then <laughs> this is me. Uh, we we are still competitive cyclists. Uh, I I kind of have to be because I lead some of our group rides. We do about three or four group rides each month uh, with with athletes and anywhere from two and a half to three and a half hours um, for for a little bit more advanced athletes. Um, but we both did go through NICA um, all four years, so I think I joined NICA. Right, my freshman year was the first year that someone could have done all four years. So it was about the third or fourth year of NICA when I got uh, introduced to it. I feel so fortunate uh, because we still have a lot of friends and I still talk to my NICA coaches uh, because they're still local and <laughs> sometimes it's not even riding. Sometimes we're just uh, catching up or going on hikes or things like that. Um, we, we have an advanced through cycling, uh, started off, uh, as racing locally and racing, uh, NICA as a freshman through a uh, varsity, uh, beyond that, I, uh, had a, a road cyclist named Roy, he reached out to me and that's when I got a little bit more into road after, uh, after my senior year of high school and did some uh, races with the national team and developed there. Uh, I feel very fortunate. I had a really good director who had uh, been to the Olympics and who was a really big mentor uh, to me at that point of my life. And he is still part of my life today, which is, is something that I'm very grateful for. Um, after that, I did cycle collegiately. And so is Ama, he's actually going to Milligan with a couple of our athletes actually. And um, uh, did a little bit more road cycling. Um, at that point of time, uh, became a professional while I was my last year of college. And then now we, we help athletes where we can. I've graduated. Um, I help Ama with the cycling business, but I do work um, at a job for uh, you know, the most of the hours of, of each weekday. Um, but yeah, that's where we are. We have so much joy in, in riding with the athletes and seeing them develop because we, we do work with athletes who are freshmen and those who are seniors. And then as they become uh, collegians and help them take cycling where they, wherever they want. We've worked from beginners to help helping coach people who've become uh, national champions and working with um, uh, people racing world championships and things like that. So uh, to who we help, and when I say we, it's not just uh, Ama and I, but actually you guys as well. So I, I, categorically, there's, there's two main groups, and this is either side of the spectrum. One, you have those more committed athletes who uh, already have some knowledge, some skills, some fitness when it comes to riding, and they've been practicing, uh, but maybe they're looking to achieve more, whether that be winning a category or, or uh, placing on the podium. Um, and then on the other side of the spectrum, you have the beginners, uh, the intermediates, the people that are interested, 
They're looking to ride safer, ride faster. And I know that of the NICA teams that we have worked with, there's typically a couple of, of coaches, whether those be dads or moms or teachers. Um, the, the people that typically need more of the help is going to be the beginner athletes. They need the coaching. They need help uh, knowing which equipment to get. Um, they don't know the trails. So a lot of effort's going to be spent on uh, the newer athletes, whereas the, the more committed athletes are going to be the people that maybe lead smaller groups, you know, three to five athletes, and maybe they're doing longer rides, harder rides, and um, maybe there's one coach, two coaches that, that are helping them out, but typically they're, you know, they've, they're at a level where it's, it's difficult for the coaches to, I, I don't know, help them progress because they're already so fast, it's hard to keep up. Um, so those are, are, are two types of athletes that are, we're working with. But at the end of the day, um, they're all looking to uh, improve and get better. And that's where um, some planning, some, some goal setting happens. So it, it doesn't matter what the goal is. Um, I, I think it's just a practice of being deliberate. So uh, sitting down and maybe talking with them at the beginning of the year, hey, you know, what is NICA for you? What is cycling for you? Is that spending time with friends? Is that uh, improving the trails, doing trail maintenance, um, having a really fun time? Is that trying to uh, podium at races, which might take a little bit more effort and extra training sessions outside of team practices? Uh, but just, just having them figure out, hey, you know, what do I want this year to look like? Am I camping at all of the events with my friends? Uh, I think that just gets them really looking forward to it. At least that's what got me looking forward to it. And once we figure out what that athlete wants, do they want a top 10? Do they want a podium? Do they want to win? Do they want to attend every team ride and, and have that sense of community? Uh, then we work backwards and figure out, you know, how do we achieve that? How do we get that, that result? Okay, uh, so this is, this would be like an example of, of goal setting. Uh, and one of the biggest things when setting goals is actually finding out what that limiter is. So, you know, what aspect of that writing can you improve to get the, the desired result? So uh, one example of, of a goal which would be uh, my brother and I sometimes set power-based goals and weight goals because those are very specific for uh, cycling performance. But that's you know maybe on one side of the spectrum. The other side of the spectrum can be, hey, I want to do this team practice loop that we do in X amount of time. Or I want to do this one climb that we do in X amount of time. And that would be success for me. So whenever we do something like that, we, we, we need to, to do baselines. So, you know, figuring out where we are and then where we need to be. And then uh, figuring out what aspects, you know, are our limiters. So for some people, that's going to be power. You know, they, they haven't ridden enough and their, their muscles aren't adapted enough. They don't have uh, their aerobic system to, to, to go up a hill that fast. So, you know, what, how do we in, increase that? Some of the athletes we work with, they, they're terrific. They have terrific aerobic systems. You know, you, you put them on a mountain bike, 
you send them up a hill and they're, you know, they're first or second, they're a really great natural athletes, but maybe they're lacking those skills. And, um, and that's a really important aspect to cycling, because if you, you know, you can push power really hard, but you can't corner or you can't descend or you can't, you know, many of those things, uh, and your performance will decline. And if performance is one of your goals, and that's something that, you know, it makes more time, it makes more sense to spend time on that than it does to go all out on a climb. And what, what we tend to notice is that what people are good at, they will train that when, you know, they're already good in that aspect. They don't need to spend as much time on it. They need to spend time on their limiters. Uh, other things could be nutrition. Maybe they eat a lot of candy, eat a lot of junk food. So, you know, how can we make a plan and systematize doing a little bit better there? Uh, we always advise to set a, uh, yes, an outcome goal, two podiums this year, a win this year, leader's jersey. Uh, but after that, to, to actually focus on, uh, you know, a, a, an output or a process goal. And that would look like, hey, doing this, this one segment in X amount of minutes, or doing this one loop so fast pushing X amount of watts for X amount of, of time. So um, that is something that I, you know, I think is important. And these are all uh, very uh, kind of performance-based, but again, this can be not performance-based. I, I wanna go hang out with my friends. I want to do all of our group rides. I want to uh, become a team, team uh, leader next year. So those are all, all good things to think about. Okay, uh, so how do we help? I think sometimes it always helps to have some guidance. So um, we have something like a, a questionnaire. How many hours do you wanna work? I think the biggest thing is for the athletes is, do you want to ride outside of team practices? Um, because that is something that um, if, if you want to do well or be competitive, then it's probably going to take extra, extra rides, maybe an extra ride or two a week to reach that, their goal. And um, yeah, this just helps uh, kind of templatize those, uh, those goals and, and how, how much time the athletes have. And this is something uh, we can send out for your guys' reference if that's something that would be beneficial. Okay, so uh, this is, ATP is annual training plan, baseline testing and tracking improvement. Uh, I, I got a little bit too in the weeds for, for this one, but um, typically when athletes start riding, they'll start around October or November, uh, especially if they have a, if they run cross country or if they do another sport, uh, it might be ending maybe a little bit later in the winter. But that, that time before, typically before the end of January is where athletes should work on not going all out for workouts, but being consistent and increasing the amount of time that they're riding. As they get towards the end of January and February and get closer to the season, that's when they can spend maybe two or three rides a week working on the upper end of their fitness. 
the best way to, to do that would be to um, do a test, a heart rate test or a power test and create zones off of that um, so that they're, you know, you can make sure that they're not overdoing it. Um, and something that we've found to be really motivating to our athletes is at the beginning of when they start training, when we can start doing team practice is to do a segment where everyone goes up and, you know, see how fast they can do a specific loop or a specific climb. And then, you know, make sure they, they write that down or they use Strava to um, keep, keep a record of that. And then every maybe eight, maybe a, every six to eight weeks, every couple of months, do another group ride out there and see how much faster they get. And that has been really motivating to a lot of athletes because as soon as they see improvement, it's something that they want to keep doing, which, uh, you know, which is good. And it, it makes them happy. It keeps them motivated and, and willing to uh, put in uh, maybe extra work if that's what they're looking for. Okay, so I, I did bring up um, using the winter up until January to get a little bit more uh, riding. Um, you can also use uh, strength training if you have, have gym, gym work or gym days are really beneficial. And what we've seen is that it actually, uh, it helps with motivation because it is variety. So instead of maybe, uh, I know some teams don't have access to a lot of trailheads. So this may be another way to uh, get a good workout in without getting another ride in or uh, kind of breaking the monotony of if you have to go to the same trailhead a lot. Um, this this uh, prior to the end of January is where we're focusing a lot on endurance, which is uh, increasing the, the amount of, of time that we're riding. Not super hard, but you are putting pressure on the pedals. And what this is doing is it's increasing the amount of mitochondria uh, that are in our, our cells, our, our uh, specific cycling specific uh, muscles uh, before increasing the density of the mitochondria when we start doing a little bit more of the uh, high intensity training. So that's kind of what we're looking at on a kind of a little deeper level. Cool. So, you know, why the... The off season is kind of the best time to, and I wrote here, utilize a coach, but that's not what I mean. I mean, why the off season is the best time for improvements. So, so much of the improvement that we see in our athletes is done before the season begins. So, you know, 20 to 30% gains in uh, power. And the reason why is because there's so much, there's, there's no racing. So it's all about progressive overload and resting. And once you get into your actual season, it's so hard to make more improvements because you're constantly, you're, you're con you know, constantly uh, fatigued from racing. So you're racing and then you're recovering and then you're just getting prepared for the next race. So this, the, the months of November, December, January, February are where we see uh, the majority of the improvement uh, and it's for that reason. 
So if you, if you, if you wait too late to get serious about uh, training and proving, then it's, it's a little bit too late to make uh, really big gains. And this is, again, this is important only if a lot of your goals are performance-based. Um, so some of the resources that we're, I'll, we'll send out is the athlete questionnaire. I also, in regards to planning a season and an annual training plan, we do have like a video uh, course, it's free. Uh, we, we made it, it's on Gumroad. I'm gonna send the link to Nikki, but um, that, that would be, and maybe if, if you as a coach don't have a lot of time to deep dive, maybe you can share these resources with the athletes and they can look into it a little bit more uh, themselves. So, okay, we're about, 22 minutes in. So some of the other things that I think are really important to student athletes are making sure that we, we, we aren't making the sport as expensive as a lot of people tend to make it. So there, honestly, cycling can be something that you spend 20, $30,000 a year on um, easily but it doesn't need to be. And, and here are, you know, that's, I, I studied economics in college. <laughs> um, that's uh, value is something that's really important to me. And um, I want this to be as accessible to athletes and to students and parents as possible. And the, the first thing that we always think of is going to be the bike, you know, Bikes can range from, you know, three hundred dollars beach cruiser BMX bike to you know ten fifteen thousand dollars. So, um, for our our purposes in Nika, none of the trails are are incredibly technical. There's there's nothing that I don't think that a, a somewhat entry level aluminum hardtail can get through. And I would recommend this, you know, I, people win races on aluminum hardtails and especially courses like Lake Paris and Vail, uh, these are going to be really good tools. Something that, that could be potentially better is a, a carbon hardtail due to the weight, but you know, there is that trade-off of that extra cost. So uh, aluminum hardtails, I think, are going to be the best for people that are, are new to the sport, or maybe they're not even new, and they're, you know, they raced on a loaner the year before, and they want a good tool to go into next year. I think an aluminum hardtail is going to be that. Uh, you know, the next more expensive is going to be the carbon hardtail, and this is going to be the most expensive, a carbon full suspension. This is also gonna be, you know, there's, it's more expensive upfront, but it's also going to be more expensive to maintain. Um, when you have a full suspension, you also have to worry about the suspension in the rear. And that's a, a whole extra part that is not uh, even there on a hardtail. Um, some of the best resources to find Good aluminum hardtails are going to be Craigslist, Facebook Marketplace, eBay. Uh, I'm, I'm a big proponent of getting, you know, the previous year's model. 
two, three years back, the, I mean, when those came out, not a lot changes year to year um, from geometry or uh, materials that are being used. So using something that's a couple years old, there's not, you know, you're not giving up a lot of performance. What you, what you do want is something that's going to be a single ring drivetrain um, because that's, and they've been doing that for entry-level bikes for a, a long time. So it shouldn't be an issue to find something uh, a couple of years old that's a single ring drivetrain. Uh, something that's going to also going to be important is Shimano or SRAM brakes. Uh, other brands are going to be like Magura or something like that. Those are a little bit more finicky, a little bit harder to work on. So honestly, my preference is Shimano. Uh, you can watch videos on maintenance and that's gonna be one of the next slides actually. But Shimano is gonna be the easiest to, to work on uh, because it's just mineral oil and that tends to be a little bit easier to work on. Something that you are gonna want when you're inspecting maybe a use bike, if, if that's what you're looking for, is going to be a fork that's in good condition because something that, um, Maybe the, the very most entry-level bikes that are between seven and $900 to a more race quality bike that's around maybe 14 to $1,800 is going to be that, that fork. Uh, because uh, So making sure that you have a good fork and it's in good condition is something that's going to be important. Um, some I, I actually have some recommendations. I really enjoy um, Giant as a brand, I think they're very uh, economical in, in what they provide for uh, the amount of money spent. So this is what I would, this is a type of bike I would recommend if you want something that's new. Um, or you can find, you know, an XTC 29er from, not from 2021, but from 2020 or 2019. And those will be uh, incredibly similar and, and maybe cost you know, maybe a thousand dollars instead of fourteen hundred. Um, and so, this is what I would recommend. I think this is race quality, um, better tires. Um, like I said, that fork versus um, something like this, which is the Giant Talon, uh, which is nine hundred and sixty dollars or seven hundred and twenty. Um, like I said, those big, those main differences are going to be the tires, the wheels, the forks. And whereas this uh, may be you know, 25, 26 pounds, pretty close to uh, a, a nice hardtail, well, maybe wave 21 or 22, that's a, a lot more expensive. So this is getting you in that ballpark. Um, whereas this one is, is probably significantly more, maybe 28, 29. And I, I think it's worth the extra $500, that marginal cost to, to get this upgrade. Some other brands, this is a Specialized. Um, this would be very um, comparable to this XTC, but it is a little bit more. Specialized is a little bit more expensive of a brand. Uh, I also saw this uh, Marin. This is a good bike, uh, $1,500. So uh, looking in that price, price point, um, should satisfy being a uh, you know a race quality bike. Okay, uh, beyond the bike, so I think maintenance is another big thing. You can take your bike to the bike shop and get it tuned up and everything, um, but that that will get expensive. So 
Uh, I think purchasing your own toolbox and using YouTube to learn to maintain your bike is going to be something that is really beneficial to the parents as well as the athletes. Um, even down the line, I think that this is an important skill for them to have. Uh, the toolbox I recommend that will have most of your things is going to just be on Amazon. It's going to be uh, right here. Okay, right here. So uh, it's $44. You can do uh, the majority of your tune-up on this. Uh, if, if you're replacing cables or something, that might be a one-off that you need to, to purchase maybe a few days in advance of when you're planning to do your tune-up. Um, but, but this should help you uh, solve that issue of, of you know, something's going to go wrong when you're working with 20, 30, 40 kids. And if the, the, each family can't purchase their own toolbox, uh, I would recommend maybe having one day a month where um, one of the team parents does a maintenance day where people can bring their bikes, uh, come to one house, a centralized house, people can hang out and borrow tools. Um, but <laughs> one of the things is that Nobody should be able to leave before the tools are put back because tools go missing so quickly and we don't want that happening. So uh, the resource that I recommend for, for fixing your bikes, adjusting your gears, swapping out tires, adding sealant, uh, changing crank sets is going to be just YouTube. Uh, GC, uh, GMBN Tech is a really good resource and I've, I actually linked it in the PowerPoint. So uh, this is uh, something that I've used a lot. Yes. Okay, so gear and closing. The one most important piece of uh, gear uh, that's gonna keep the athletes happy and comfortable is going to be uh, bibs, which are the shorts. Uh, a, a lot of times people when they're getting into cycling will buy normal shorts, but the, it's worth it to spend the extra 10 to $15 to get bibs. And what it does is it just keeps your, keeps your uh, shorts up so that they're not moving around a lot. So it'll keep the athletes a lot more comfortable. Um, you can get these, you know, people spend hundreds of dollars on bibs when, um, you know, that, that extra cost is not equating to a, a ton more value. So my favorite two things uh, or brands are gonna be the black bib, just black bibs. Um, I think right, right here is an example. So this is what I mean by the bibs, these, uh, these extra lines, it keeps the, uh, clothing in place, um, versus these shorts. So for the five extra dollars, you get the bibs and you're going to be a bunch more comfortable and the, the athletes will be a lot more comfortable. Uh, you can also go to Amazon Bayleaf, um, has some good bibs, uh, as well. They're a, a, around the same price. Uh, for other pieces of clothing, like helmets, gloves, jerseys, I think Craigslist, Facebook Marketplace, eBay, Amazon, also going to be good resources for that. Uh, okay, last thing is ride nutrition. Uh, when we're riding with 20, 30 athletes, it's inevitable. Someone is going to bonk at some time. They're going to run out of their glycogen stores. And they're going to have to limp home. We want to prevent that as much as possible because it's not fun for them. It's not fun for you. It's super simple to prevent. So making sure that they're eating some carbs when they're going out and drinking water and electrolytes. 
least expensive thing. Honestly, just get real food. You don't need uh, the cliff bars, the goose, the gels when you're just riding. You know, get a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And then what, what I really like using for nutrition, um, for, for um, hydration and nutrition and electrolytes, it's called ESN Fuel. This is a really good, it's $30 and you get about 20 servings. So that should last about a couple of months uh, if, if you're uh, you know, using recommended dosages. And we also do have a, a link to 30% uh, off on this. So that would make it $20. And that is a really good bang for your buck. You could also do scratch or, or hammer or anything like that. But I've been cycling for years. This is what I get. This is what I go by. And I, I suggest that you, you, your team and your athletes to use this as well. Um, okay, so that's cycling on a budget. Uh, something important for a lot of the new athletes or the athletes that are very uh, fit but need to work on skills is going to be, uh, these are our resources and different skills that will help them uh, perform a little bit better. And one of the biggest things in cycling is balance. So making sure that you're balancing on your bike when you're descending, um, two practices or uh, drills for that. It's gonna be track stand practice. I put a link on there and wheelie practice. I, I do recommend not asking, track stand practice, yes, you could do at uh, you know Nike practice, wheelies. I, I really try to have the kids not do wheelies when we're riding together for a liability reason. And um, this is something that they like doing with their friends. So uh, ask them or, and encourage them to practice it on the grass. Um, but by practicing these two things, they're gonna feel a lot more confident on their bike and they're going to uh, progress their skills a lot because that is the basics, the basis to a lot of uh, descending faster, descending steeper um, trails. Also body position, I put another link here. Um, you're gonna wanna bend your knees, look up and look ahead. You wanna look kind of as far ahead as you can and position your body for all of the corners. Um, cornering is one of the best skills to practice. If an athlete can learn to take an apex versus uh, kind of not taking apex, they will, will shave minutes off of their time because there are typically a lot of corners in mountain bike racing. Um, and, and if you know how to take a corner well, you don't need to decelerate. Um, and if you don't need to decelerate, you don't need to accelerate through all of your corners and you'll save a lot of energy. So, um, yes, I, I know that was a lot of information. Uh, I do want to go into some, uh, questions if anyone has any, and if, if, uh, something that I am. Uh, willing to do is if you have a, a team or you have more coaches that couldn't be on today, uh, I, I would love to, uh, you know, schedule 45 minutes to do something similar to this and we can go and answer. I could do a quick, uh, you know, go through these similar slides and then uh, answer their specific questions if they have any. So, um, okay. I'm, I'm done. I want to see if anyone has anything to uh, ask.
Hey, appreciate you um, doing this presentation. Uh, it was great. Some stuff I knew, but it was always good to get a refresher. Quick question for you. Is it a good idea to do like stationary bike training, like put the trainers out at this age? We always, you know, we start them out when they're in sixth, seventh, eighth grade and on through high school. And we notice the high school kids, you know, a little bit more into it. But what is, what is your take on the stationary bike? You know what? I love the trainer um, as a training tool. I think it's one of the, the best ways to increase your fitness a lot if you don't have a lot of time. And especially as um, the daylight, our daylight decreases, you know, it's starting to get dark at uh, six and then it'll be 5.30 soon. I think that the stationary bikes, the trainers are a great tool. Um, I recommend keeping those sessions to, you know, an hour because they do tend to get monotonous and uh, kind of mentally taxing on some of the athletes. Uh, if they're with a the group, that does help a lot. Um, but if they're doing it by themselves, it's just, it takes a lot of motivation to get on a stationary bike. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I think it's a, it's a fantastic tool uh, to get a lot of adaptation quickly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, good question. Um, oh, I saw that, uh, <laughs> yeah, Zwift, Zwift is a great tool. Uh, it keeps people engaged and uh, there is, you know, now there's actually a lot of community aspect to it. You know, people and uh, student athletes are much more familiar with Discord than I am, but, you know, people will jump on a Discord and they're able to talk with their friends while they're uh, riding on a trainer. So uh, great info. Can we get a copy of the links? Yes, I can. I can send a copy of the whole deck to Nikki and get that sent out to everyone. Yep. Yeah. I got a quick one for goals on you. Um, yeah. You have like good examples you've used with your athletes on process based goals that work really well. You know what? One of my favorite process based goals is actually recovery. So one of the uh, student athletes are busy, right? Some of them, as they get older, they have AP classes, they have a social life, they have friends. And we've, we've had athletes that, you know, they, they go to sleep at midnight and they have to wake up at six and go to, and they're at school all day. And then they're asking like, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm stagnating. I'm not seeing a lot of increase in performance and you're not getting better if you're not re recovering, if you're not resting, if you're not getting a lot of sleep. So one of the process goals we like to recommend is actually, you know, get eight hours of sleep a night, you know, set a bedtime. Uh, outside of that, maybe uh, another process goal, um, complete my interval workout. You know, the two interval workouts I have a week, make sure that, you know, those, those are done correctly. Those are done well. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's a good question though. Any, I have yeah. a question for you then. Yeah, um, if you were a coach setting up like a training plan for the team, um, 
how how would you separate them based on fitness based on skills based on age how would you recommend doing that yes yeah so i know that this is something that a lot of uh coaches or newer coaches struggle with because like i was saying earlier there is that there's such a wide spectrum um i would probably recommend maybe three categories the, the very newbies, they're borrowing some bike, they're using a BMX bike, um, having them. What, what I've found is, is doing loops of a course is a really good way to keep an eye on athletes. So maybe a, a three mile loop, four mile, a two mile, and, and, and have those, those newer athletes uh, use that, utilize that loop, get better, enjoy mountain biking, enjoy the sport. And then the ones that are maybe middle tier, um, have them, you know, time themselves, you know, try to do better than you did the, the week before or the month before, you know, do three loops, time yourself. And then for the advanced athletes, uh, sending one coach out with them or designating a ride leader, the, you know, the advanced athletes are in a lot of cases faster than the coaches. So uh, having someone maybe on an e-bike to help with with safety and in case there's any injury or any mechanical issues i think would be a, a good route but those 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 faster athletes if they they want to keep improving typically they're going to have to go out and and um ride by themselves and push themselves or or with you know a smaller group uh and what what i would recommend for maybe like a, a plan a schedule maybe uh, two days during the week and one day on the weekend. And those could be um, like, a, is it Saha? Yeah? Yeah, Shahi, sorry. Like, like Saha said, maybe um, the weekday ones can be trainer workouts and the weekend ride be, you know, two hours in the, uh, you know, beautiful mountains that we have in Southern California. I, I know that I kind of went over a lot of, of details, um, some probably too like nitty gritty, uh, but like I was saying, Nikki, I will make sure that I'm sending the, uh, the links, all the links to you because I, I think that um, the, the, you know, doing this on a budget is, is something that's gonna be important to you know, I think that's something that maybe you guys can utilize to your parents and to your athletes and can, uh, you know, I'm, I, I was in Nike, I, my first year of Nike was 10 years ago. And I, I love this. And what I want is more athletes to when they're 23 to still be riding because it's, you know, it, it's healthy, it's fun and yeah, it's good. So. Uh I think something else that you mentioned earlier, that's a good point. You talked about kids like going on to ride in college, which we've seen a lot of SoCal's successfully do that. But it's really cool because um, as we both know very well, it's really hard to actually make a living as a professional cyclist. But if you actually look at the monetary value of getting an athletic scholarship to a college, um, it's 
like that's there's a lot of value there and so I think something that's really important is finding ways to make sure that these kids don't burn out by the time they get to that point and so it's just really important like they can do trainer workouts they can do intervals like you're saying but just keeping it fun and making sure they have that social aspect still making sure they have those process goals like you're talking about will hopefully get them to a point where they still love cycling when they're when they get to college or when they're 35 or whatever. <laughs> yes. And you know, you know what? Thank you so much for bringing that up, Nikki. Um, yes, we have had many of the athletes that we coach go off to cycling schools. So, uh, and my brother, he's actually at a cycling school right now. So Milligan is a private school in Tennessee and they, private schools can give really great uh, scholarships for athletics, and if they're, um, and if they're um, uh, paired with really good academics, merit-based scholarships, uh, you can get the majority of college paid for. So I think that that is something that people should uh, consider as they're getting to their junior and their senior year. And reaching out to, to those coaches, you know, uh, Fort Lewis has a really good program in Colorado, um, uh, CU Boulder, Colorado Mesa, Milligan. Um, there's, there's- Lise McRae has a bunch Lise, of football athletes. Lise McRae is a fantastic school. Uh, Marion. So, you know, there's 10, 15 really good cycling colleges and what, what it'll do is it'll give the athletes a community when they go off to college because, you know, college can be for some people like a, a, a lonely place if they don't have their tribe. So, um, yes, that, that, yeah, that's a good uh, point, Nikki. When does the SoCal, uh, and I think this is a better question for Nikki. When does the SoCal season officially start? October 15th, just a couple days from now. Um, and then you can have a certain number of practices, but some teams start right on October 15th and some teams wait until January. Um, so every team gets to kind of make that decision based on their availability and what works best for them. But that's also why it could be a good opportunity to schedule a call with Imperium before the team really gets started. That way you can kind of map out what your season might look like and what the preparation looks like for the racing. Oh, and Nikki, I would like to, um, so I'm so fortunate that I, you know, a few times a month, maybe three to four times a month, I take a group of student athletes out. Um, they range from maybe like 14 to 17 years old. And it is more for advanced athletes, but we try to get in uh, maybe two and a half to three hours of riding. And we would love to have um, more of, of your guys' athletes if that's something that they want a little bit extra training, stimulus, uh, community riding with other student athletes that are you know, ambitious in cycling. Um, we typically ride in the Chino Hills State Park or in Corona. So I know that some of you are probably a little bit far for that. Um, but if, if you have athletes that are local, 
typically um, maybe like JV or varsity level athletes. Uh, I can send out the, the invite to Nikki and, and maybe for these next couple of months, you know, if, if they want uh, to get a little bit of harder, longer rides in, that's something that you know, would be open to them. I know like when I talk to Imperium kids too, that's their favorite thing. Their favorite part <laughs> of having a coach is doing those group rides because they get to ride with their friends. Yeah. From different yeah. schools and teams too. Yeah. And you know, that's so funny. We've had uh, athletes from, uh, you know, to, up towards Pasadena and down towards Temecula and towards Laguna Beach. And we're pretty central. And so they all get to ride together. And, you know, it's funny outside of us, they get they get together and do more rides together. So uh, I know they're going to be uh, they're going to be friends for a long time. And that's what you know, this is all about. So Does, does anyone else have any questions? Oh, do all of the kids in those group rides have to be registered in the pit zone? That's completely not NICA. <laughs> so if kids choose to go to those Imperium rides, it's not covered under NICA insurance. It's not an official practice. Um, do you have insurance for those rides? Yes, we have our own like business insurance, yeah. Okay, perfect. So that would be covered under them. Hashtag not NICA. <laughs> Yeah. Nikki, what about with our team rides? Like if after October 15th, we start having rides, do those kids all have to be registered or if they were registered last year, like what are the details of that? So any NICA practice, the student athletes and the coaches need to be registered in pit zone. Um, you can do the one-time try it out with a waiver, but after that you do have to be registered in pit zone. Um, and I believe it's six practices that you're allowed to have total. Most teams do them on the weekends. Usually it's like a maintenance day and then they might do a couple of practices after, but yes, they do need to be registered in the pit zone if it's an official practice. And when you say six practices, you mean between October 15th and January 1? I believe it's January 1st. I believe it is. Okay. So after January 1st. After January 1st, you could have more practices, but between October 15th and January 1st, you get to have six. As yeah, well, and all that information is in the most recent coaches news that went out. It's okay. long and big, but it's all in there. Um, and so all of that is lined out in there. Cool. You got to plan some rides, Todd. Any other questions at all? Okay, do you have anything else to add, Dima? Um, you know what I'm gonna do? I'll, I'll put my uh, information in the chat. If you guys want me to do uh, something similar, this time, typically every day of the the week is pretty good for me. I have a pretty flexible um, uh, schedule outside of, you know, normal business hours. And uh, 
Yeah, I would love to see some of your guys' as student athletes come to some of the group rides because, you know, the, 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 um, the kids aren't joking. They're a lot of fun. Um, here we go. And then I'm going to put my phone number. You guys can text me, call me, email me. And I'll, I'll send Nikki all of the uh, details on the slides with the links and um, probably the, the group ride calendar for through November. Cool. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for, for taking the time. It was really nice uh, you know, seeing you guys over Zoom. Thank you for uh, taking the time out of your day to come help us. That, that's awesome. Yeah, thank, thank you. Thank you very much. Yes, very thank much. you. Appreciate the info. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so I'll send out the recording, the links, and then you'll also get a certificate for your CEU. Um, so that will all be sent out by the end of the week. We just have to, I have to send it to national so they can watch it first and then We'll get that going and also i guess the last thing is if there are any other topics that you all are interested in having webinars about or having a round table like this i'm sure um i'm sure we could get that together i'm flexible yeah. also so we could plan something so just shoot me an email um if there's anything that you think would be helpful for coaches to get together and talk about we can definitely do that together Totally off topic, but do you guys know if any of our bike sponsors are going to have bikes to sell students this year? Um, I do know Haro is working on it. Um, it's really limited. Chuck is starting to get bikes in. I'm not sure if all the truck stores are doing discounts since it's kind of up to each store. Um, yeah, I know it's still really hard. Um, and then as 